Hey, what's up, everybody? Informal introduction to the Protect Your Neck podcast. Going to be breaking down a lot today. Going to be doing Tough 28 finale, UFC Fight Night 142 in Adelaide, and touching on the main cards of Bellator 210 and 211. So with no further ado, uh, let's get aboard this train and uh, get this thing going. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Release the brainstorm to make your motherfucking brain warm. A strange form, something kind of lyrical. Biggie the bastard, so that's kind of spiritual. Well, in God we trust, guns are bugs. Stop that disgusting, sewer style something. And I'm thinking, you know, when you're going to, do you like the things that I bring? What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA, and that's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight, or should I say fights, that's right, as the Intro, the change up in the music uh, would suggest choo-choo motherfuckers and the great words, uh, immortal words of, of Artem Lobov. Uh, this thing is a going. So um, it's going to be a real, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really try to really breeze through this uh, this uh, intro segment because I'm already late. I know, I, I tweeted uh, in hopes to that I would like it, it help keep, keep me up and, and commit me to the cause. And I almost finished my analysis last night. Yes, that's right. If you're wondering why it's late, I'm recording it in the wee hours of the morning Pacific Coast time. So maybe normal hours, maybe like seven or so, like if you're, you're you know, East Coast or whatever. But uh, yeah, so I, I just want to apologize. And my apology will be my one lone shout to uh, this week's new... <laughs> This week's newest listener at this is Shaq. Uh, so uh, shout out, shout out to my man there. Uh, he's a contributor to Fan Sided uh, and ASI. Uh, uh, but uh, there's there's the lone shout today. Sorry, sir. This is your first one, and I'm already like uh, I'm already letting you let, letting you down. Um, if you talk to the other listeners, you will get to know that Dan Tom often does let you down, especially with my release times. I apologize. I'll spare the excuses. This is the normal stuff, but, you know, plus three or four cards that I had to get breaking down. You know, I, not all the Bellator cards. I'm just going to touch on the main cards, uh, and then we're going to go to Tough 28 finale, then UFC Adelaide. So it'll be kind of out of uh, order if we're going by Friday to Saturday standards because I'm just going to go Bellator UFC to keep it, in my version, simple. Uh, but yeah, so so apologies, but yeah, normal things. I, I passed out. Um, it was gonna be not a power nap. I mean, I, I set aside like three and a half to four hours. Ended up being five and a half. I guess my body needed it. I didn't even remember hitting the snooze button. I was that tired. You ever get that tired where you don't even remember hitting the snooze button? Hey, I'll cop. I, I'm been real bad uh, about hitting the snooze button, especially like. Post concussion, you know, I never had issues waking up early as a kid, as an adult. Uh, some of my my longest running tenured jobs were construction, uh, waking up early. I mean, this is nothing new to Dan Tom, but uh, so I'm not trying to use it as an excuse. But yeah, since it's post concussion, I, I battled with the snooze button. Today was not one of those days. I didn't, I didn't even remember hitting it. So, uh, but but hey, you're getting the best of my energy usually. You know, usually the best of my energy goes MMA Junkie Radio. You know, five days a week. Shout, shouts to them. Listen on. Serious Fight Nation 93. Um, 
But yeah, uh, I'm recording this before the show. I got my alarm set off. Uh, my alarm set off because that's my deadline time. My heart out, if you will, as they say in the industry of when I'll have to get the F out of here. But at least you are getting full power, Dan Tom, which, yes, I will be getting to the breakdowns as I uh, breeze through these topics. Um, UFC Shanghai recap, I'm going to skip all that, but I will uh, share one story before we get on to the breakdown, and I'll attach that at the end of the topic because I, I did a, a, a post. But uh, I want these other topics I can touch on real fast, and that will help me prioritize. Don't ask me why. It'll, it'll make it faster for you, though. <laughs> That's what he said. All right. Whoa. Jeez. All right. Uh, Liddell Ortiz 3. That was depressing as shit. Uh, I'm probably sh pretty sure that's why I wrote it down. Uh, man, I, I got left hanging on the, on the show this week. Uh, I could have swore I saw it on Twitter, and I, I could have swore I heard, you know, trust my own ears. I wasn't, well, maybe I was. I was still recovering from UFC Shanghai because my, my ass actually stayed up for it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Chuck Liddell, I mean, it was all like that weird trap music, like, I was like, this is Tito, or Tito, whatever, like, I don't know, the fucking weird trap music, and, uh, reminded me, like, I tweeted, reminded me, like, that Trevor Noah skit, and, uh, and then for, for Chucks, I could have swore, like, it was, like, trap music, but, like, I could have heard, like, the words they were using, like, dick, 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 and then I went to Twitter, and I saw people saying dick, 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 so I'm, okay, I'm not hearing things, but then on, uh, my co my, my co-hosts and cohorts, if you will, and uh, no no everyone left me hanging on the show this week. No no one apparently heard it, so I don't know. Tweet at me if you heard it. Say, say you know say Dan you you are crazy, but but not crazy there at least. You know, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take it. Um, Adesanya Silva. Uh, yeah, I think we already kind of, kind of already said this on the show for the most part. Uh, my feelings there. Uh, no need to really, really touch on that. Oh, Anderson Silva money. Hashtag Anderson Silva money and insert the uh, gif, uh, which I replied to Kaposa's tweet where he's like, oh, it's 2018 and people still believe Dana White's promises. I just tweeted a uh, Al Pacino from The Devil's Advocate. Because uh, <laughs> it just feels perfect um, for that. But yeah, meet us all. Meet us all. Risen announcements, man. Risen announcements just came last night too, huh? Wednesday night, I should say. Uh, I'm going to try to power through these with breaks, which means you will have to deal with me drinking water. Unless I have to use the bathroom, then I will take a break. I will not take this microphone there, don't worry. I mean, Adam Sandler is the longest pee. Um, pretty interesting, man. Like, of course, you know, I'm, I'm a Gooch uh, fan, Mark, if you will. Of course, my early lean is always going to be to him uh, for, for most matchups. Uh, even if somehow he fought Demetrius Johnson again. But uh, it's a tough matchup, man. Darian Caldwell. Uh, I don't know his record offhand. I don't have it in front, but I, all I know, he only has one loss. And that was to baby Joe Tomingolo, and, you know, he avenged it. Um, and uh, that was just, you know, I think you, you chalk that up, just prospect loss, MMA, no, no, no one gets out unscratched. And for what it's worth, uh, side note, side story, uh, I remember, you know, I've shared stories before about uh, tra uh, traveling to Alliance to train. Uh years ago uh, when my uh, grappling coach at the time, Neil Melanson, was there. And uh, <clears throat> remember we showed up for Wednesday's pro practice. And uh, uh, it starts off with, like, you know, wrestling and, and grappling, at least at that time. And then we're moving into the sparring portion. 
And, uh, you know, Coach Neal gave us a proper intro to the pros. Like, hey, these are my guys. But at the same time, wasn't like, you know, babying them. You know, it was uh, introducing them as my guys. But then, you know, of course, Neal has to end it with, uh, all right, points. Uh, you guys get points with me for how many times you tap them. So kind of putting the target on him back just to, you know, old, old it's how, it's how the old boys do it. And uh, but when it came to sparring, though, <laughs> I remember just like uh, walking toward the the cage in mad areas, and uh, Neil just puts his arm, long arm, like probably blocks like three out of five of us from walking over there, and goes, "Just let you guys know, Baby Joe plays for keeps. Avoid that guy." <laughs> and he's talking about Joe Tetman. <laughs> Neil, <laughs> Neil, if Neil is is giving that warning, it's for good reason. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, needless to say, none of us stepped in that cage. <laughs> but uh, so hearing that baby Joe would get that like big upset later, I just remember thinking about that. Like, ah, that son of a bitch, he's always a live dog. But no, Caldwell, man, uh, you know, this is a Southpaw wrestler training over there at Alliance, uh, speaking of, uh, now. And um, yeah, man, um, you know, for, for, for he go to Dantas, now he's just going to get a souped up, uh, you know, uh, karate boxer and uh, Horiguchi, man. I mean, it's uh, that's going to be fun. But uh, all right, I want to push through here. Um, yeah, speaking of Asia, just, just that, 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 that uh, follow-up story real quick. Uh, those of you, thank you guys, by the way. Thank you all for the clicks uh, and click-throughs. I, 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 I'm not going to lie. I may have to push them through to next week. Probably will with the time today. Um, but for all the click-throughs uh, for uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or any time of the year, because they're, they're up there all year long, that's right, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, the hosting site. You just click through the banner, whether it's on it or Amazon, and you just do your normal shopping. It doesn't charge you anything. Excuse me. And a percentage of what you buy goes back to the podcast. I appreciate this. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, again, I do this for free. I always intend to do this for free, but it, it, it does come at a cost. In multiple ways, uh, you know, just, just, just so I'm not going to go fall into the excuses of why this was late or anything like that and fall into the same thing explaining my schedule or anything like that. But those of you who listen to this know, uh, you know, uh, and again, I'm not, not trying to fucking pat myself on that. There's plenty of, of grinders that deserve credit. I shout them out all the time. The uh, the James Lynch's of the world, the, you know, the, the John Morgans, the, the all these... You know these people do different things in different ways, and uh, so, so I'm, I'm no, I'm no, I'm, I'm not special in that department. But at the same time, yes, I do put a ridiculous amount of hours to where I sacrifice sleep, my literal health. If you've been following along this year, by the way, I finally did my first run of 2018, and it's almost December. If that tells anything, I'm a health man, uh, social life, etc. But I, I love martial arts. I love podcasting. I clearly love talking a little too much. And for whatever reason, you guys uh, come here and listen. So thank you. Really, I, I don't know why you're here, uh, much less take the time to, to click through banners and support the show. But I, but I appreciate the shit out of it. And uh, y'all were interacting with the tweets that uh, I posted for you guys to follow up with some of the stuff I talked about on the podcast. And it was one of the stories I didn't get to tell on last week. And, and I posted some of the lead-ons. Like, you know, I, I told a nice story here and... Uh, you know, on MMA Junkie Radio, so I posted that picture of me and Christian Silva. And it's funny, I found a bunch of other pictures, like, I had to post that collage of me, just, like, I was just tired in all these photos, it was hilarious. I was like, dude, what the fuck, was Bill Cosby our tour guide? It was just roofing the shit out of me. 
I'm just like, mm, like with my hands over my eyes. I'm just groggy. I have a head over. I got like one where like my hat's over my head. I'm, I'm sleeping in a chair and I'm just passed out on the bus. Another one, like, Jesus Christ. Um, it was training and partying though, from what I remember, for the most part. So yeah. And uh, once after the Shaolin Temple, uh, you know, I posted those pictures from the Shaolin Temple, some of the Wushu schools, which is kind of a cool reference, you know, with the whole Shanghai announcing the PI, showing the history of martial arts, uh, their quote-unquote modernized schools, at least at the time in 2000, 2002 when I was there. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoyed those photos. And uh, so we start in Shanghai, get chased with the knife, Shaolin Temple. Both times I went was the same route. You, you fly into Shanghai. Uh, you go up north to Dengfeng, Zhengzhou, the temple, and then you go out through Beijing. And Be it's like party time once you're in Beijing because the hard training is over, your test, and my second trip there in that case was over. So Beijing, we were just told it's Western civilization. There's going to be McDonald's, TGI Fridays. And we remember we're, like, we were just so sick of fucking Chinese food. Like, not, not, not fucking the Chinese food, but, you know. I'm, I'm needlessly inserting F words, so don't don't call me there. But we were so effing sick of Chinese food. Eh, that sounds better. Um, that we we're just we literally saw the TGI Fridays, and we like all just started yelling, "Stop! Stop!" Like a kid got hit, <laughs> which uh, not a kid, but someone did get hit actually one time on the. Uh, uh, one of our buses actually did hit someone on a bicycle because they just drive so insane. Like, you know those those videos of China and India? Like, yeah, that shit's real. But not only that, it was insane. Like, when we got out to the countryside, there was actually room to drive. So instead of, like, driving like normal fucking human beings, our bus drivers were having competitions and were, like, cutting each other off. It was one of those only one lane each way thing. And, you know, but if it's only one lane each way and someone's going slow, and, again, like, you're in a rural area, you, if... You know, whether you're a dick, even if you're not a dick, at a certain point, someone's just asking for it. You're like, okay, I got to get around this asshole, right? We've all done it. I, I've done it for sure. Um, and, uh, you, and and the buses were doing that to each other, but we're like a tour, but there's like five buses, man. Like, we're in a, like, a column. Like, why are they competing? And one of them scared the shit out of us. I'm, not, I'm shitting you not. Like, we're going through this almost like mountainside, and we're, so we're going through like these, these brief, you know, 100-yard, not too much longer than a football field uh, uh, tunnel stretch. And as we're going down one of the tunnels, uh, that's when our bus driver decides to try to pass the bus in front of us. And you can see him, like, making faces as he's trying to pass the friend, uh, you know, as he's trying to pass his friend who's driving the other bus. And we're, like, all fucking white-knuckling. Like, what are you doing? Anyway, so by the end of the trip, we're like, fuck these guys. We took control of the bus, like, like almost like speed. Make them pull on the TGI Fridays. Everything... All the meat just kept tasting funny wherever we went. Um, we would go to, you know, McDonald's. Uh, our instructor, uh, my karate instructor, uh, talked to TGI Friday, or not an Outback Steakhouse owner, and he keeping keeping a, their institution up late for us one night. And uh, But all the meat tasted funny, and we were just looking around like, there's no fucking cats and dogs here. Anyways, uh, sorry, Silk Alley story, and we're going to move on to the breakdown, folks, I promise. Um and uh, anyway, so we go to the, the, we have our tour guides. We even start breaking off of the tour at a certain point because we're just like we're over it. It's our second trip. We've seen a lot of these. We've seen Temple of Heaven before. We're good. Uh, we want to go to Silk Alley. We've heard about Silk Alley is the black market uh, in Beijing, and we go there. It's literally just an open street black market. Like there, there there's vendors. Like I bought a top shelf Movado knockoff. You know those rectangular uh, watches, like for like seventy five bucks, and like. 
they were like top shelf knockouts, knockoffs. You have to really know what you're looking at, like be a jeweler or something to, to spot some of these. Um, they were that good. Uh, shirts, Nike, all that shit. I, you know, I, I didn't really buy too much. I didn't have a lot of money. I just bought the watch. That kind of almost wiped me out. But uh, I did save money for movies. And movies, I remember this place. What was it? What? I, me- I, I was Not Blue Martini. It's a place here in Vegas. I want to say it was Blue Lagoon. And it looked like some cheap-ass, like, Chinese or, like, uh, seafood restaurant. Some, you know, uh, and, and we, we go in. This guy on the street corner is like, what, movies? Like, yeah, yeah, it was movies. This is like, this isn't digital age, guys. Like, DVDs just came out. This is like 2000, 2002-ish, right? And so the guy can't, like, have them all on him as a street vendor. He didn't have a stand, right? So he's like, here, come here. And right behind him was the restaurant. You know, we were, we were on the street side, and we didn't think that any of them, any of the markets took place in a restaurant. So he seats us in this restaurant, and he hands us all menus. And you open the menus, like seafood menu on the outside, and you open the menus, and it was just DVDs, like pictures of movies you want. And you essentially, the waiter comes, you order the movies, and they give it to you in a takeout box and like sleeves with like fake. Uh, and I posted the covers. Like it's, a co- it's almost like a front and back cover and the movie's in it, but it's not like a DVD case, right? They're just sleeves. And then they put them in like just regular like styrofoam to go boxes. Like like they're running some fucking mafia joint. It was hilarious. And like, so we got like Lord of the Rings and Spider Man. And like, uh, it was great. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I posted Vanilla Sky. Don't, don't, don't ask me why that, that, uh, that one was on there, and I, uh, I, I remember buying Spider-Man as well. Not that that's any better, but yeah. Anyways, the point was though, on the back of all of them was uh, the description to the summary for the movie. It was the description of Out Cold, which was that really piss poor like snowboarding movie with a. I, I don't know if it was Jeremy London or Jason London, whichever the shitty London, right? I think this was the Party of Five London, not, or maybe it was, maybe even the same one from Mallrats. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they're both shitty Londons. I can't remember. Uh, the one in Days and Confused was good. Because he's Days and Confused, I'm always going to have uh, you know, partiality there. But yeah, that, that was funny. So that was Silk Alley. And we had a, a cab driver take us there. And we were kind of scared because you, know, you get in the wrong cab, you end up in a place where your, your kidney's going to get cut out. It's 18 minutes. Let's get to the breakdown. All right. Uh, first is Bellator 210, guys. Uh, Salter, Ninja Kawani. This one... Had it pulled up here. Yeah, this one's funny, man. This is one where you know we were talking about uh, you know, behind the scenes of junkie in our, in our chats, where just like you know talking, you know talking about how you know wow this you know it's, it's contract season because it's just like you look at the undercard. We're just pointing out how much how 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 much more stacked it is. You know, I'd argue you know Lawad Nawad Lahat, Gerald Harris, Joe Warren, Joe Schilling. Uh, versus Will Morris, uh, Goiti Yamauchi, Daniel Weichel, um, Chris Honeycutt. I don't know why I always have to say his last name like that. Mike Shipman. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, Jordan Young, Anthony Ruiz. Um, I don't know. I would argue it's it's, it's better. I mean, obviously, more fights is only four, but just even like pound for pound, you know, if you did an average that way. Um, let's let's see if there's any odds on that yet. Uh, main card starts off with uh, Bruna Allen versus Christina Williams. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a pick'em or Christina Williams slightly favored, and then the public moves the line. Uh, but I ended up siding with Bruna Allen. Spoiler alert. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, she she improves each time out. We haven't seen her in over a year or so. 
So uh, you don't, you definitely don't know, you don't know what you're going to get. And of course, Bellator has no lines out, so no worries there, folks. Um, God. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, but yeah, uh, I just I think that um, you know Christina Williams is very potent. She's a scrapper, real powerful kicks. Obviously, we remember the Heather Hardy deal. But Brunel and interesting, you know, from Brazil doesn't come from a jiu-jitsu background. Comes from kung fu, but with that, she's used to traveling overseas. Traveling being the not being the favored person, which she won't be here. Uh, so it's not going to be a uh, abnormal tour. By the way, shouts to Nanda Pretz. Uh, uh, article on Junkie on Brunel. Uh, but yeah, um, it's. Uh, so, she, so she is essentially she, she moves back a lot and doesn't have a, a ton of volume, which can be dangerous. But her counters are, are, are pretty, you know, potent for her division. And more importantly, she can choose to counter with level changing shots, has inside trips from the clinch. And I see that being her essentially in her back pocket to get the win there. Uh, Juan Archuleta, Jeremy Spoon. I admittedly didn't watch much on Jeremy Spoon, but uh, real impressed with Juan Archuleta. Wrote a little bit on him, I think. Um, so Bellator 198, when was this uh, fight? Maybe it was versus Peralta, 201. But, uh, but yeah, um, you know, this guy's been steadily brought up through King of the Cage um, and uh, is getting tests slowly but surely. Uh, Robbie Peralta was a solid uh, watermark uh, that he passed. And, uh, and yeah, I, I like this guy. I just hope they keep giving him... Uh, the build, he's, he's like that, that Jimmy Rivera record and kind of that 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 uh, that similar similar build. So keep an eye out on Juan Archuleta. Um, I didn't look at Jeremy Spoon, but the way they're they're moving this guy along, I got to imagine uh, it's going to be a juicy line toward Archuleta at the last minute because it's Bellator. Yeah, most of Jeremy Spoon's by submission lost Damon Jackson by submission though. Hmm. Not sure if we'll be able to get Juan Archuleta down. Uh, be a better wrestler than him. So, yeah, yeah, Juan Archuleta there. David Rickles versus Villarreal uh, Vasconcelos. I actually took Bamba here, uh, Vasconcelos. Um, he's coming off a layoff, too, which is sketchy, but he's an experienced guy. Um, and more importantly, he's uh, moved the last couple of years in, uh, from Brazil and is training all around uh California, places like Rufka Gym, uh, Perillo, and, and many others uh, that I can't think of at the moment. But uh, he's essentially just the more natural. Uh, uh, not that Rickles is natural. Well, I mean, Rickles is a big guy. Uh, who knows how much that cut is affecting him to 55. He's fought at welterweight and catchweights before. Uh, but uh, I'll just say Vasconcelos will be the more athletic and filled out welterweight. I think that's for sure. Uh, striking's better. And a submission uh, game is is, is uh, on paper better and, and and should be should be able to play play fine from what I saw with uh, Rickles. So I'll take him. But uh, Rickles Rickles always brings it, man. So much respect to him. Uh, I know it was a really bad look with that Michael Venom Page fight. And they just fucking walked him right into the fire with that one, didn't they? But I'm stoked to see Michael Venom Page actually fight. Uh, some quality next time out. We've been waiting for it for freaking how long now? But yeah, my picture, my pick is a uh, Bamba there. All right, uh, John Salter versus Cheating Ninja Kwani. I'm gonna imagine Salter is gonna be a favorite here. I don't know by how much. Uh, I gotta imagine the public's gonna bet him up because shitty. 
uh, you know, not just the grappler versus striker. This is just a bad matchup stylistically, but also short notice. But it's a deceptive short notice because he's replacing Manhoof. So it's a complete different going from an orthodox Dutch tie boxer to a southpaw uh, wrestle submission artist, right? And Salter is just coming off of a, a loss, but coming off of a fight where he didn't take too much damage. Uh, and so he'll be fresh. Um, and Ninja Kawani, I, I like that he moved it to middleweight. I'm hoping to see that trend. Uh, I like the dude we recently had him in the studio. Uh, but it's, it's, just, it's just tough, you know. It's tough when you hear a guy that's been in the game and been in people around the game and have all these resources and saying, only saying now, like, low-key, like, yeah, now I'm taking, taking my jiu-jitsu seriously. And you're just like, man, shouldn't you done that before? Yeah. During your fighting career, after submission losses, he just you know. And but that that being said, Chitty's wrestling is 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 underrated. Like I say, with a lot of Muay Thai guys, uh, and he seconded me on uh, on this. Um, you know, just they seem to just translate better uh, for clinch wrestling, and he does that very well. Uh, but but Salter is just just a, a savage. He'll get after it. He'll chain. He's relentless with it, and he's deceptive. He can he if if if. Chidi, who doesn't get out of position too much, to his credit. If he does, um, Salter can level change off the counter and, and get his shots in there. Um, salty dog. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, I'm going to take Salter there. Um, it'll be interesting to see what that line is. Uh, since I actually did some decent research on the Bellators for once, because uh, they've been... The, 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 those as what been quiet has what has been quietly killing my pick average uh, this year. At first, we uh, for for a while. I mean, I should say because I'm I'm the new I'm the, I'm the newbie. But uh, for a while, they didn't do Bellator picks uh, at Junkie for the staff picks. Only this year, they started introducing it. But when they introduced it, it was only going to be the big cards. So me being as busy as I was, and you know, again, like I don't, I don't really watch uh, Bellator's. I'm on the West Coast, and just so dedicated to UFC uh, through work and otherwise, it's just it's it, it's tough, man. They don't again from the the Dazzin thing we're all complaining about that they're still not giving us live cards. Like West Coast, we still have the delay unless you have like a satellite. Like we still have to wait. Like even when East Coast is getting it live time, we're still on a different delay, so we almost get double delayed. Like. And it's funny, you know, especially with the Coker regime that catered to San Jose or West Coast, even though most of the granite, most of the shows are in Thackerville, where it's where this this card's at. But it's like we are the least catered to. It's insane. Uh, I'm not trying to be a fucking, you know, I know this is where the, everyone from England, uh, you fucking cunt, Dan. We got to wake up at fucking four in the morning, you fucking cunt. And I, sorry, all right, all right, okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry, but 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 I'm just just saying it's just bell towards the West, you know. American sports cater American audience, American organization. Anyways, fucking whatever. But yeah, so it, it, it's just it was just you know it was one of those things where it was like you know I was like oh, okay, and it wasn't until about mid year where it was like oh I guess they're making us do it for all the all of them now. And I also didn't start if you follow my work. I also didn't start writing a bell tour till this year as well, which when it comes to guys who they've you know traded over from the UFC, it's not it's, oh, okay. I'm familiar, but again, I've I've honestly like just 
only watched highlights or like when people I know like Michael Chandler are fighting like that that was really it like the big fights I, I other than that I wasn't watching Bellator cards so when I have to do my articles or picks like it, it's almost extra uh, research I have to do then as opposed to the UFC cards uh, in that regard so so yeah not make, making excuses but that's that's why uh, my Bellator picks are usually piss poor and uh, why I'm coming clean and saying hey I I did some studies this time. Uh, that 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 concludes Bellator uh, two ten. Let's go to uh, Bellator two eleven. So we're gonna skip tough eight finale. We're gonna jump over to for, for for a second. We'll jump right back to it. But we're gonna jump over to Saturday in Italy. And no one will probably be watching this, so it's it's kind of pointless to break it down. So this will be kind of quick. Let's just say as soon as it wants to pull up. Go, got my baby. Um, holy fuck, this looks like a mess. Yeah, uh, Luca Vitali, Italian guy, uh, I think kicks off the main card against Pedro Carvalho, who's an SPG guy, stepping in for last minute, literally last minute, like a week last week, uh, a, a fight week here within a week's notice here, uh, for Luca Jelsic. And uh, this one's this one kind of sucked low key because we, we had to submit a pick for it, so I had to study for this one. And uh, I don't know if people just were just picking the Italian guy in Italy, but I don't think anybody picked Luca Jelsic. And I went and watched the footage, and they were essentially the same guy. But if you knew what you were watching, Luca Jelsic was just a much better grappler who was a much more positionally sound guy. Whereas Vitali is uh, he can get the fight to the ground. You know, he, he really he, he fight, he's not a, a superb wrestler by any stretch. But, you know, he knows how to shoot a double. He knows how to work takedowns against the fence. And he's, he's dogged about it. He'll go for it. Um, but his wildness just looked to kind of get him into trouble as much as it got him in, a, in both victory and defeat. And I was like, damn, this Chelsea guy, I think he's going to just get him. So not only was I interested in uh, staff picks that, you know, when everybody goes one way and you go the other and hit, which, you know... Uh, your boy he has done from time to time and there are you know contrarians on our, on our staff picks who will just take dogs to take dogs and credit to them for, for just for taking them uh but as far as you know uh, research now i was just really surprised my like, man no, no one's taking this guy so i was actually really stoked well, this will help me uh, get a leg up and i know i'm not supposed to care about picks but apparently since i'm losing everybody cares about it now uh thankfully everybody at junkies we all bless each other's balls it's all fun there uh it's all it's all fun in that regard but uh as far as like randoms though, and they, like my buddy Brian was saying, he's like, "Yeah, dude, my my coworkers, a lot of people follow the staff picks. I'm like, shit, live and die by those things. It's lose lose for me from the beginning, man. I'm I'm excited about these things from the beginning. I've said it on here, even when I was a uh, was in was in first. Just you know, you, you win, you're supposed to win. You lose, what the fuck? And so whatever. They don't uh, they don't count for my whole body of work. And again, anybody can pick pick fights anybody can lose pick fights uh it's, it's the analysis that's why you're tuned in that's why i appreciate you but uh like my, like like my 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 buddy over there at MMA fighting luke thomas says man uh which I, I i totally get why he's happy he doesn't do predictions anymore he said it himself man he's like dude you, you no credit when you're right and everybody comes at you when you're wrong and that's the fucking truth that is the fucking truth yeah you know for being wrong on the on on, on on these more high profile fights especially and then it doesn't matter how many times you call um anthony smith round three submission and get it on the on the point but that doesn't matter 
Anyways, I'm off my fucking box. Uh, back to these Bellator picks that I clearly love so much. Um, Luca Jelsic was replaced by uh, Pedro Carvalho, which makes sense. There's a, a lot of SPG guys, which we'll get to as we blow through this thing uh, on there. So he was already making the trip up. It looks like he was already training for a fight, was already in shape, even though he's based out of Portugal. Uh, trains out of Ireland, and that holds true to his Instagram. Looks like he almost like was doing almost like a full camp there. So like, I was like, this guy actually could be pretty live. But then when I watched the footage, it just you know it, uh, he's you know kind of wild, not like Luca Vitale, but not as physically strong. And that's a problem if you don't look strong against guys in your own weight class because he's moving up to fifty five for this, even though he appears in shape. It's short notice. I get that. He's five nine. But Luca Vitali is like a lanky six foot, and uh, again, though he's lanky, he's, a, he's a, still a physical guy. Like he, he's not, he's not uh, a self-deprecating uh, about how he goes about a fight or about his frame. He, he fights like he's a big guy, and uh, that's going to be a problem. Uh, so I think he's going to get Carvalho down and, and probably be able to submit him. But you know, again, Carvalho training at SPG and say what you will about them, that's got to be their strength, right, in jujitsu. Um, not talking about Dylan Dennis, but 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 Kevin himself and the programming is still is there. Um, and you know, uh, if you look at the the, the fighters from there, uh, minus Conor McGregor, um, I don't know. I I feel like I feel like. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, I'm sure Owen Roddy does a great job with the striking. I'm not saying that. I just you know. I'm just saying, I gotta imagine he's getting uh, good looks as far as jujitsu goes for getting ready for some regional Italy guy. But dude, he just—I don't say as much. As, even though he's getting like stoppage wins, and I'm watching these stoppages, like I'm like, dude, this guy does not look like he has any like power to his shots. Like he looks—he's like Im imitating McGregor like in some of his fights, and those were his like more recent fights. Sadly, um, I'm like, what's going on here? So I'll take the Italian guy, um, Ibrahim, man. Uh, who the fuck is this guy again? I took I took Alan Abadovsky. I think there wasn't really much footage on this one. Yeah, Ebrahim, uh, he's from uh, France, and then Alan Adamovsky. Oh yeah, I took this guy. He's a Macedonian. Yeah, Macedonian. All right, my old guitar player was Macedonian. And he used to teach me stuff. Shishka pishka which is something really bad. So if I offended you, I'm sorry. I don't know. He just told me, and it was bad. I think it's like suck my yeah. Anyways, shishka pishka, stikazzi. <laughs> There's some Italian cursing for you, cazzo. All right, uh, Orlando Ambramojo. What the fuck? Did this fucking fight change too? No, it didn't. Uh, I don't think I. I don't. God, I can't. Remember. I, I did this like so early in the week. I, I knocked this Beltor shit out first and. uh now I can't remember what the fuck I watched, but I went with uh, Kiefer Crosby, Big Daddy. 4-0, SPG Ireland. Uh, hasn't fought really anybody, but none of these guys. Well, actually, he's fought in Bama, at least. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, he's fought a, a more sh tougher competition than the uh, other gentleman who's from Italy. Yes, I was going to say Italy. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... Uh, Nothing, nothing worth even playing. Uh, this one was interesting. Domingo Barros versus Hetsy Gergis. Hetsy Gergis. Hetsy Gergis sounds like a Hetsy Gergis. Hello, my name's Hetsy Gergis. I've got a Hetsy Gergis in my pants, if you know what I mean. Sorry, this reminds me of Jerkin the Gherkin. Jerk. <laughs> Gherkin's the name. Jerkin's the game. 
Hedzigigas. Uh, Sorry, I don't know why I triggered triggered that, but uh, I'm like, oh, oh, no, what the hell? But uh, <coughs> uh, Hedzigigas actually kickboxing. He's fought Bader Hari, uh, fought Rico Verhoeven. Uh, three rounds where Rico Verhoeven was just, I mean, Rico Verhoeven is a beast, but just, it was just, I, I, I remember just seeing that and like, wow, it felt like a, a new level of Rico Verhoeven there. Uh, so he's been in there with no slouches as far as that, uh, taking a foyer in MMA. Um, and I'm like, Hey, how serious did he take it? And it looks like it was announced earlier this year that he signed with Bellator. Uh, so I got to imagine he was thinking about it and fielding offers before. I'm not sure how much he was training before. But as early as I think April this year, and pretty consistently throughout since, he's been over at SBG Ireland, um, and then looks like working striking when he's back home. Excuse me. Um, Netherlands, I think. Yeah, Netherlands, and uh, basically in the Netherlands. What you rolling around over there for? Uh, but you know, tall six seven guy. Um, but he looks pretty athletic. Like I don't think he's just gonna like tip over. The, the, the problem is Domingo Barrios, who's five and zero, does not look physically impressive. Has not really fought anybody impressive. Just Portugal regional scene. Just looks like a a fat dude off the street kind of a thing. But he pushes guys up in the cage, takes them down, and can win fights that way. So that's what you're gonna have to do against uh, kickboxers making his MMA debut, right? That's and that's all this guy ever does in any of his fights. The footage that I could find. So. Um, that could be trouble, but again, Hedziger Gurgis uh, looks like he is taking it seriously for what it's worth. So uh, maybe he uh, gets past this one like old Gokan Saki and then loses on the step up. We'll see. Um, I'll take Hedzi Gurgis. Uh, that's another one I think a lot of people want with Barros and the staff picks because they just saw those, you know, because we just get sent to us the record. And it's up to us on our own if we want to go. Research him or not, but uh, but yeah, so a lot of people go with Barros there. Um, I'm with Gurgis, just dude's a uh, a born fighter, he's been there, and apparently, rumor is he's uh, you know, they fought Badahari, uh, trains into the same gym as him, and by all accounts of those people, he's uh, worse than Bader outside of the ring, so he's a bad dude, all right. Um, Fucking Alessio Sicaro, they just dust off for these Italy shows. It feels like, although when I went to go look, I'm like, oh, he's kind of had a bit of a, a bit of a streak together for the most part uh, of late. Sicaro has. I mean, you know, he lost Carvalho, obviously, which you know, for considering Bellator stable, he's he's up there. Obviously, he was he's a champ, so I mean, not not bad. But I mean, he put a put a little uh, a streak before that in and out of Bellator. Uh, came back with the win against. Jamie Sloan, which was just kind of a pick-me-up win. Now that Dustin Wofford did the Italy show. Uh, he does look in better shape going to this one. And, you know, to his credit, he's never been stopped at light heavyweight. All his stoppages early to late career have been at middleweight Sakara. He's been fighting since fucking 2002, people. But, um, so there's that. He also trained, or at least at his last month of his camp at American Top Team. And looks to be in better shape. Uh, whereas, you know, like how would I often say when guys go up and wait especially those first couple fights, uh, whether they're revisiting or f- for the first time, they tend to celebrate it, right? They're a little pudgier. Uh, not that it's going to matter because Kent Knoppen is coming off two losses um, coming into this fight. The last one was at welterweight. 
Uh, and now he's going up to light heavyweight. In his defense, he's fought at middleweight and light heavyweight before. He mainly applies his trade at middleweight, so it's not like he'll be vastly outsized, but uh, yeah, he's not the most athletic guy. Um, and he's probably going to give the fight that Alessio Sakara wants and not be able to get the fight, kind of fight that he wants. Uh, was not impressed. Um, you know, no, no, no quality wins. Shoot, his last win was against a guy named I think was his nickname is the Legend, and he is twenty three and seventy three. That's his last win, guys. Let that sink in. So yeah, the pick is Sakara, and that concludes Bellator two eleven. Yay! All right, how far are we in here? Forty minutes. Forty minutes. I've got an hour before my alarm goes off. Maybe a little less. And we're in the UFC. All right. Market, dude. Uh, 40 minutes. I think I started roughly 18. So I'm marking these as I go to make this a little fast at it so I can get, get to wake on time. All right, we're going to start with the tough finale going down this Friday night. So now, now, now we're, we're back to Friday, folks. And I will, as usual, I will post the stuff in the show notes. Hopefully you guys have picked up on that. I timestamp it for you, hence the notes I was just taking for you just now. Benjamin looks restless. He can't wait for me to let him out after this, too. Tiny bubble. Why the fuck is that in my head? Hopefully it's not in your head now. All right, uh, we will start from starting from the bottom. Now we're in. All right, which I guess is uh, Chris Gutierrez versus Hayoni Barcelos. Hayoni Barcelos did not open at this number. It looks like he got juiced to uh, 470, minus 475. Come back on Chris Gutierrez, plus 380. We just had Chris Gutierrez in studio. Um... Yesterday, and uh, yeah, it's looking good. Uh, stays in shape in the offseason. Was ready for the call. Underrated guy. I mean, this guy, you know, this guy, let's forget, he beat Timur Valiev, who was my favorite to win uh, PFL uh, tournaments. I believe he's a finalist. So much of me, I can't remember. But no less. Granted, it was, it was a suspect decision. You know, I remember going back to watch that when I was doing my research for PFL's. Uh, 2018 season and uh, doing my research on, on Valiev. Uh, my dog is deciding to eat, so if you hear him, you hear crunching, that's 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 him. But, uh, you know, and Timor, of course, got got that one back. Um, lost to Gerard Sanders and put, you know, th three wins together, uh, beating Ray Rodriguez, we were naked choking, you know, guy who's credited with the, uh, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, so... Um, yeah, that being said, uh, Marnie Barcelos, uh, no slouch, doesn't appear to be a slouch on the ground, uh, but, you know, makes his money standing, obviously. Uh, that said, his, his game's always been geared for that, you know, even earlier footage, you know, watching him fight when he's in a ring, he just keeps that low stance ready to, low and loaded, low and loaded, like, he knows his style, he knows what he wants, um... So it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to get, get excellent Muay Thai. I mean, he's he's a he's a Pedro Hizo guy, and then of course Chris Gutierrez. Although he didn't train with, I don't know if I have him in his corner or not, but he definitely didn't. He told us he didn't train with uh, who is it that I'm always giving shouts to? Mark Montoya and Factory X Muay Thai. 
But we should have a, a fun Muay Thai battle. I don't agree with the line. I think it should be closer, but I get it because people juice Barcelos. Um, man, they must be super confident. Um, I don't know. Chris Gutierrez is, is one of the deceptive guys. I don't know. Uh, hard to count out. He's still growing as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I got Barcelos here uh, for sure. But, I mean, not for sure. You don't fucking know. But, you know what I mean? I, I, I mean, I, I get why he's favored. I'm not, I'm not arguing that at all, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But... Uh, you know, I guess a bit, a bit, a bit caution uh, there. But if you parlayed them and you're part of it, then hey, good luck to you. All right, uh, Tim Means minus 370 uh, went up a bit, but that's a guy who uh, is parlay piece f f material for me. I, I was going to hit him straight up, but I missed that opener. I think he opened pretty low or something. I thought I saw a line like as low as like minus 140, which is nuts. Um, to Ricky Rainey, comeback on him is now plus 310. Uh, Ricky Rainey, he, uh, you know, he, he can, he can make fights deceptive. I mean, he's fought tall Muay Thai guys and well, lost on the record, but, but you could argue that he won that fight against uh, Chidi Ninja Kawani. Uh, even Chidi was really surprised. You go back and watch that fight, but a lot of it was because he stymied it. You know, I'm pretty sure Ricky Rainey comes from a wrestling base. I don't know. I'm shouts to MMA gambler, Lance Fischel. Uh, who I believe went to college with him. I know Lance wrestled in college, so I'm assuming. But uh, Ricky Rainey's a, a pretty well-rounded dude. You know, he trains trains with good strikers. I believe in that North Carolina area. I want to say. Uh, so uh, I don't know if with the Thompsons per se, but with like uh, Rinaldi and and what whatnot uh, offhand. Um, it's weird because I, I did this. I I did Ricky Rainey studied almost like twice because he came up during like the cheating Ninja Kawani and then later. When I did this fight later in the week, which is earlier from now. Anyways, my head's all over the place. Sorry. Too many fights. Too many fights. Um, so, you know, he was able to stymie me in the clinch. And that's kind of what I see his best victory uh, there is what he did to cheating Ninja Kawani. I assume that's what he's going to come in and try to do. Uh, you know, Ricky Rainey, you know, for the most part, quality losses. Michael Venom Page. Um, but, I don't, but I don't know, man. Tim Means, I, you know. It's one of those guys that seem like super inconsistent, but on his last uh, pod, I don't know if you saw the last interview, heard the last interview on MMA Junkie Radio. He's not a guy really to make excuses, but like he was saying some legitimate stuff that a lot of fighters deal with as far as like uh, the travel situations for some of these cards. They're not getting these fighters out as early um, sometimes as as advertised, and and you know uh, he's been victim to that and uh, and a few other things, and uh, you know. Uh, fighting when he's not at his best or whatever, and you mix in a, co a controversial scorecard or two. You know, he said, you know, Mariah's went to the hospital, he said. Uh, I was getting help from walking from his teammates in the back after their fight where he was fine, and a lot of people scored that for him. Uh, was closer on my second watch, but still, yeah, yeah, you can make definitely make the argument for means there. Uh, so it's deceptive that this losing streak that he's been on. So, um, I, you know I me, mean, I've always been really high on Tim, Tim Means for better or worse, and I always get burned when I bet him in these chalky spots like this, but he will be in my parlay. By the way, I'm, I'm not locked in on picks, by the way, right now, folks. Uh, usually what I do is I finish all my analysis, and then once I have my analysis, then I like to go look at the lines. Um, you know, I should say my old. I try to st stick to as much of my old method as possible, or I try to stay non-polluted. That's the hard part about, uh, not trying to digress it once again, about picks, and, but this is what we kind of talk about. We talk about picks, and kind of theory about them, not just the fights. 
but there's lessons here for you, know, you can take you can take or leave yourself. But but again, just you know, it's so easily like guys like Joey Odessa would tell us years ago, like, hey, don't watch the countdowns. They sway you. They they judge your bias, and it's true. So I stopped watching the countdowns. And even when I first started doing this, you notice I wouldn't take part in a lot of those Twitter conversations where everybody's like, oh, I bet this guy, I bet this guy, I bet this guy. No. Because then it's just like you you hold on, you know, then, then you get you, you you get into an opinion, and then all of a sudden you have to stick and defend that opinion, and you haven't really done the research yet. Um, so until you do the research, you don't you don't you don't really speak, you don't bet. Um, and I props to these guys who do the openers, and I should probably do that myself, considering how much. Uh, research and offhand knowledge I know, but at the same time, you know, if I just do that on a lean, that just that, that jeopardizes the whole analysis. Uh, and that, you know, maybe isn't always the smartest way to bet because even if you think it's a good line, all your analysis going from that point is all going to be confirmation bias once you just uh, bet an open. Now, if you're responsible and you're doing your research ahead of time, then props to you, man. I wish I could do that. You all know my thing that it just... It's too hard to keep uh, keep keep the schedule, uh, and part of my schedule is again being on radio where you have to kind of have quick takes. So it's it's a tough balance for me, but uh, still I try to keep to my old method. I do my analysis first, then I go look at the lines, write down the plays. Uh, sometimes those will make for more analysis because then you're like, wait, should that be? Let me go back. Has this guy even been finished before? You kind of do that thing. Uh, I skipped that part of it. All my analysis is done. I skipped that part of it, so I'm going to be doing that part of it in real time with you to make that part of the podcast and save time uh, for me this morning to get this out. So, so yeah, anyways, uh, our Tim Means, uh, he'll be on a parlay, parlay piece. Uh, Roosevelt Roberts, minus 320, Derek Horcher, plus 260. This is uh, this is tough, man. This is a void either way. I, I, I wanted to pick Horcher here just because it's just the line shouldn't, uh, you know, you, as far as, you know, Horcher just fighting way more experienced guys and uh, way more experienced himself. Um, but you look, and we don't know a lot about Roosevelt Roberts. He hasn't really fought anybody, you know, uh, even the last guy he beat. Uh, but he looks like, you know, speaking of Darian Caldwell, um, minus the striking and southpaw stance, uh, the wrestling and grappling part, which can be very dangerous. Athletic guy, six foot for a lightweight. That's big. Um, you know, Horcher, shout out to James Lynch again. I was listening to an interview with him, and, and you know, he, he he likes the matchup because he feels like he's similar to Devin Powell. But he's going to have to defend those takedowns, and, you know, Horcher's deceptive. It's like 47% takedown defense, but, you know, he gave up like five or six just in his last fight to Holtzman. And as he was explaining in the interview with James Lynch, if you go watch that, uh, go subscribe to James's YouTube channel. It's practically like a tab for me now at this point, uh, especially since there's room with the USC <laughs> website. It's not really offering fucking much of anything these days. Um, but yeah, um, Horcher was, uh, obviously had that, that gnarly motorbike, you know, accident after his fight with Khabib, takes a fight with Khabib with short notice, gets a nasty motorcycle accident, you know, um, just really fucked himself up, man. I mean, he was lacerated his kidneys, fucked up his leg. I want to say he almost lost it. I don't know. I don't know. Or I'm confusing that with Raquel Pennington's. Or maybe it happened to him both in that regard. Anyways, but he, like, was talking about how he couldn't even, like, balance and had to brace himself going downstairs, and he's sitting there fighting at the professional level. A guy like, you know, Scott Holtzman. Say what you will, that's the... You, you want to get in there with a guy like Scott Holtzman? A big, big fucking, you know... <laughs> uh, muscled up, we'll say, guy like that. Just going to just muscle you around? Like, yeah, for sure. Like, and he even said himself he was just receding, receding takedowns. Like, it was a mental thing. And, like, 
again, in no way does Dan Tom want to ever compare himself to these guys in a literal sense or any kind of sense toward that. But for comparison, I can relate as in, yes, you know, obviously martial arts and competing myself, but having a knee, in, uh, back, you know, uh, knee injuries, uh, torn MCLs and, uh, you know, partial tears on ACLs and having to do rehabs and all this bullshit, like it, it trips you out. Uh, you know, it makes me think about putting a hook in, you know, committing a hook, even just like a single hook ride when a guy's turtled. Like I, I, it made me to go about positions much differently. You know, I, I, granted it's in the gym, there's nothing to lose. So you should have no issue with tapping. That's what you learn. But yeah, I would definitely tap faster for leg locks and certainly it gets in your head. So that's kind of a, that's kind of an interesting factor there. Uh, if if it doesn't, then I you know if you look at his takedown defense before, it was pretty serviceable. You know, uh, you know, granted, he eventually gave way to Khabib, but he had some good moments in there. And even you go watch uh, what's available of his footage before then, like he doesn't look to be a complete fish out of water. Or if he did, it was you know in his earlier in his career. So he's a live dog here. But I did end up siding with Roosevelt. But man. I, you know, if that line keeps getting higher, I might just sprinkle on Horcher just for the shit of it. Uh, that's only a void list, though, uh, all honesty. All right. Um, who the fuck are these people? Leah Leston versus, I, I guess, I don't know. That's tough. I don't watch tough. That's another thing. I watch everything except tough. I'm sorry. Uh, so I, I will research these people and research their fights next time they fight. Um, unless I DVR them, they're not available. And I don't really request them. That's just kind of a pain. Although maybe I should do that in the future. Maybe for if they're gonna keep continuing these seasons. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Oh, shoot me. They're, gonna, they're, they're just thinking about the ESPN taking on tough. So maybe I may have to do that. But anyways, if they're not loaded in the fight pass library to the next fight. I don't want tough. I don't, I'm not gonna get on as to why. It's just you guys. I'm sure don't blame me. The levels aren't the same. I don't care about reality shows. Yeah. So, as per usual, no opinions there. Same with uh, Maurice Green, who we're going to have on the show today, uh, versus Michael Batista. Sorry about that. Joseph Benavides, plus 110. Alex Perez, minus 130. Uh, this line, Perez opened as an underdog, and my first reaction was to be one of those early people to play it. But my love and loyalty to Joe B. Benavides wouldn't allow me. That said... I don't know how loyal that is. I mean, I got to be an analyst at the end of the day. My heart's definitely with Joe Wan Kenobi. Uh, I think he's going to look better this fight. Well, let's keep in mind, you know, he was coming off a layoff. He lost uh, his newly appointed head coach who he finally clicked with. It was Robert Falls, which I don't blame him. You know, when I lost my coach, it was it was real rough. And uh, I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to suck. I don't know, whatever. I was trained under whoever just to stay busy. I'm not going to have that same bond. And, and along came Robert Falls, who I did have experience training with before because he would make rounds um, before uh, at Extreme Couture and guest coach our amateur team, MMA team, before he, he moved over full-time. So I totally get why you know Joby clicked with him, and then Joby had his knee injury. I mean, again, talking about coming back from injuries. Like, all these things, like having to come back to um, all the booking issues, of course, he's had before and since. Um, every excuse in the world, yet I, I know he sold that he won that fight. I don't. I, I don't. I, I had it for Sergio Pettis. Um, but but again, he made a good for good account for himself, all things considered. You know, I, I think that's fair. Uh, so with that in mind, we will get a, a better Joseph Benavides, who 
is the more mature version of Alex Perez. Guy comes in from wrestling and then, you know, has heavy hands and falls in love with chokes, which is Alex Perez. Now, they go about it in different ways, obviously. Uh, Joseph Benavidez switched stances, fights more from southpaw, unorthodox as all hell in his striking. Um, but otherwise, yeah, you know, it, it's just, you know, Alex Perez, he does have submissions that aren't too long ago, but young in his career. Uh, you don't know how committed he was because, you know, granted, he's still coaching now. But a lot of these guys are also working, coaching, doing just a bunch of stuff, as well as coaching fighters, uh, you know, or they're wrestling and whatnot. And, and he even admitted himself he was just a wrestler for a while. But we're seeing all his skills come together, and I really like what I see, man. It looks like he's going to be hard to put out a position and take down. And uh, it's going to, you know, it, uh, his boxing is real potent, which, you know, you look at how Joe's been, been taking shots, granted, from, from tough dudes. It could be a problem potentially. So, the only way you got to see Alex Perez getting in trouble, and the main way you see Joseph Benavidez winning is if he ensues a scramble, and that's where the veteran maybe can can uh, can get him there, you know. Um, but there's also the logic where if you like front chokes and you're a choke artist, you specialize on one thing. Your your defense is generally good for there. Uh, and that could be the case with, with Perez. Again, he was submitted earlier in his career, but that was earlier in his career, and I believe one of those was an arm bar. Uh, I don't know if the other one was necessarily a front choke per se. You don't know the story of those. Maybe he got rocked before. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, the pick is Alex Perez, but I'm, I'm avoiding that one. I can't. I can't. My cat just won't let me play it either way. All right, Rick Glenn, minus 105. Kevin Aguilar, comeback, minus 115. This is uh, going near a pick em. Uh, maybe people were surprised to see the UFC guy as a dog or something like that, but I don't know how notable. I love, I love, I love me some Rick Glenn, who was in the studio this week. I don't know how notable Rick Glenn is, uh, for one, and then people who do know him. I mean, I don't know how confident they're going to be in betting a guy like Rick Glenn. Um, so I don't know if it's name value. I think it's just more the matchup. Because uh, this is how I feel. I feel like it's a pick 'em here too. You know, Kevin Aguilar is a guy that, that you know um, should have been in the UFC for a minute. Uh, you know, uh, when I did the write-up uh, on the Dana White Contender Series, the Hawaiian guy fought Joey Gomez, gave him a real tough fight. But, uh, you know, I really I really felt for him, and I, and I, you know, I even said I, I'm sure we'll see him in an upcoming show because this guy, you know, should have been in the UFC. He had, like, three LFA title defenses at that time. And, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, but the thing, the, the thing looking at Kevin Aguilar is... Um, you know, his takedown defense and ability to scramble isn't bad, but he likes to strike. And I think he's the more polished guy. Uh, I think he, if he keeps, especially if he can keep it at range, but the range is going to be deceptive because he's going against a southpaw. And from the, from the footage I went back to watch, he hasn't faced too many, at least at the higher levels, more relevant in his career. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he does with that. Rick Glenn's not that fast, so he should have the speed advantage and, and, and whatnot. But... Um, Rick Lenz getting much better with the stand-up, man, especially when he moves to Team Alpha Male. I mean, some of the guys like Darren Elkins don't say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I mean, Rick Lenz not, not that old of a dog, and he brings the violence, man. Holy shit, listen to some of the stories about him and his brother. His brother sounds like a mean dude. <laughs> sounded like him and his brother's relationship, essentially, if you go back and listen to MMA Junkie Radio, folks, sounds like, a, like I was just picturing, like, he's like, yeah, my brother's been to prison and out of prison, drugs and... You know, he just beats guys up. He's like, yeah, he puts their heads on curves and stomps them in a street fight. Like, he, he fucks them up when they're down kind of a guy. Like, uh, if there's a problem at school, and he would show up at the bike racks and fuck people up for me. 
Dude, I just picture like Daniel and Derek Vineyard from American History X. <laughs> you know, minus the Nazi stuff, hopefully. Because uh, I like Rick Glenn. No, no. Rick Glenn's an awesome guy, man. I, uh, real blue collar guy. Uh, me and him hit it off. It's always cool when you interview a fighter. And I'm sure those of you amongst that grind uh, can appreciate this. When you interview a fighter, not only they, they remember you, because, you know, they, they got to go through these interviews, man. I don't blame them. I wouldn't remember me. Fuck. I wouldn't be offended. So it's always nice when they when they do, and they remember what you talk about. And uh, me and Rick Glenn talked some construction, because, again, you know, build background in construction. He remember that, and that, that was always... That was always cool. So maybe that little bit of bias that I'm, I'm gleaming here is, is bleeding in. But the reason why I'm picking real Rick Glenn from an analyst and stylistic perspective is because Kevin Aguilar, like I said, uh, I think he can, uh, uh, you know, he does his best work at range. Uh, aggressive dude uh, has been able to get away with it for the most part in his career. But um, he's been, you know, for better or worse, victory. Uh, victory and defeat, so to speak. He uh, he can be drawn into a dogfight, and that's kind of Rick Glenn's specialty. And plus, you got the grinding effect. Uh, if he gets on top, he can do damage, and just that veteran savvy, uh, the experience. Um, I will side with Rick Glenn as well, but I'm not telling anybody to go out there and bet it. And from the line, it looks like people can't make up their mind. I don't blame them. All right, uh, Anthony Shevchenko minus three ten. G Yon Kim plus two twenty five. Not too much to say about this one. Uh, I got Chevchenko here. Uh, um, you know, you know, we still got a lot to see from her on the ground. But as far as obviously she's training with her sister and and, and whatnot, like religiously, and they, they take stuff so seriously, leaving no stone stone unturned. Like bringing in specific training partners for them, as well as training with each other. So that that two relying on each other, which is something I, I asked her in our in our interview. I think last week we had her. And, uh, I mean, as good of a training partner uh, under the watchful eye of Pavel is as, as, as Valentina Shevchenko is, you know, they, they had different stylistic uh, fights ahead of them, which I was trying to point out. And so I was like, how does that work? And she was like, yeah, no, it's a good question. Should we, we bring in separate people for that, special people? Um, and they even go train in the climate where they're going to be fighting in, you know. And, uh, you know, we have seen from takedown defense and clinch, uh, I liked uh, again, you know, Muay Thai fighters are going to translate to that better. Valentina uh, showed that, and so did Anton Antonina. And, you know, Ji Young Kim, let me pull her record up. I know she had that, she had like two losses, I think. I know she had that fight against Quiche, which I didn't go back and rewatch, I'll admit, but man, I'm pretty sure me and most people had it the other way. And there was a lot of weird scorecards that night, if I can remember. Oh, no, 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 yeah, she won that fight. And then uh, Melinda Fabian, I can't remember that fight for the life of me, nor can I remember Melinda Fabian, and she has fought uh, within the UFC before. So that's the fucking, that's where I'm at. You guys like this too? Y'all forgetting all this MMA and these fighters, even you hardcores that, that grind the tape? Respect to you. Again, I know I ain't the only one. Uh, respect to all you guys out there, but, but it's just so hard to fucking remember any of these fucking people. Jesus. All right, next fight. Um, Tyron the Dentist Stewart versus Edmund Shabazian. This one came down too. Uh, I, I'm not surprised, man. I mean, Darren Stewart should uh, should be the favorite, not by a lot, but he is the more experienced guy. He's fought better guy. We don't we don't know a lot about Edmund Shabazian. He's, he's you know hasn't fought the highest quality at, uh, and uh, hasn't been out of the first round. I'm the first to to fade those type of guys, but I went with Shabazian here um, and. Um, you know, uh, 
This one, I, yeah, I went back and forth with, uh, you know, a, a little bit, but it's just, it's hard, man. Uh, Darren Stewart, you know, been wrong for counting the guy out these last two times, but it's tough. I mean, even in those fights, like he, he admits himself, he's getting rocked, he's getting hit a lot, and uh, even though, and 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 he's the more athletic and more knockout power of a guy, but as far as speed and technique, I think Shavazian may be able to uh, get it, uh, put it on him here as far as that goes because uh, Darren Stewart, not that he's not fast, but he's just very deliberate with his strikes. And that's where a lot of his power comes in when he steps in with that jab, but it's very deliberate. And uh, he gets a lot of his... He's really good at crashing the distance, right, and collapsing the pocket, catching guys on their way in, really just crashing that distance on exchanges. And so it's not so much counters as he is crashing when a guy is attacking him. He's punching at the same time. And that's how he gets a lot of his big shots and kicks, caps off a lot of his finishes. Um, the good news for him is, is that's how I imagine he, 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 uh, his path to victory here is, is, is catching Shabazian. Because Shabazian kind of has that low-handed boxing style where his hands come a bit low sometimes, a little too confident um, on when to keep him up. And he really likes that upper uppercut hook uh, combo off the counter, in the pocket, um, off the break. And that could be in trouble. That, that could get him in trouble. I mean, Darren Stewart off the break and again crashing in, you know, uh, could could uh, could catch him and make it much worse because he's catching him coming in. So for sure, Darren Stewart is is was live as a dog. Uh, don't kind of surprised that he wasn't the favorite. Don't blame you for playing him, but but picking Shabazian, um, you know. And not so much a fade on Darren Stewart, although, again, like, you go back and watch certain fights, like, especially the Julian Marquez fight or other fights, you know, it's hard. It's like, oh, well, what happens when Shabazian gets out of the first round? What about Darren Stewart? You know, uh, you make an argument that he tends to gas, and you just kind of see that, you know, that how he just doesn't even fight the hands and just dives into the choke like that with uh, Julian Marquez, who, I love Julian Marquez, but that's not a specialty, man. And, uh, you know, and getting you know, submitted by... You know, novice uh, MMA guy and and with a striking background before that, Kyle Robert, Robertson, right? And uh, it's just and and Shabazian can't. You know, uh, I I, I could have swore they said something about wrestling on the Dana White Contender Series walkout, but I listened to it back. I didn't hear anything there. But he has been doing jujitsu and grappling and or jujitsu and judo since a young uh, a young kid competing in Naga. I found this interview online. It was crazy of him as a young. Young boy, maybe actually it might have been a teenager. He looks like he's 11 years old, but he might actually be like a fresh 13. Either way, he's no older than 13, and he's predicting that he's going to be in the UFC and even predicts that he's going to be there at middleweight. So good for him. He made it there at middleweight. Uh, hopefully he can at least get one UFC win. <laughs> he's young. I'm sure he will. But with the Ronda Rousey and Glendale Fight Club, I get the negative connotations around this guy. Uh, if you, you know, just to fade that for sure, I totally get that. It doesn't make me confident uh, at all, believe me. But training since you were a young kid for martial arts is training since young kids for martial arts. And he was doing boxing since he was a young, young kid as well, too, uh, and competing in boxing. Um, so, I mean, you know, he, he's one of those, those, those dudes that came up doing it all. And even though he doesn't have submissions on his record, you'll see fights online where he's, like, getting submission wins and stuff. And so I don't know if they're amateur or ami-pro. Just unrecorded, so he's got a lot of competition that off paper more than meets the eye. So I'm definitely leaving room to be surprised here. Um, 
I just think he's the better uh, and more agile mover. And I think he's going to be able to pick his spots. And if a scramble does ensue or, uh, you know, Darren Stewart does, I could see him knocking him down, catching him out of position. And, and if the Shabazian guy's got a good chin or he just gets knocked out or not knocked out, knocked down from being out of position, I could see Darren Stewart chasing him to the ground and getting over aggressive and falling into a submission because this, this dude's a good, a, a, a good guard dude as well. He's really long, lanky. And, uh, you know, when you start getting good at that stuff as a kid and catching people there, you're probably going to carry that to, to a young adult as he is. So I'll take Shabazian, but that's a big avoid. All right. Uh, Munoz, uh, Caraway. Oh, this line came down uh, a bit. Uh, I got I got him at plus 200 at Caraway. It's plus 190 now. Where Munoz is the favorite, minus 230. Munoz, deserved favorite for sure. But uh, I was surprised to see this line, uh, you know, get uh, as wide as it was getting. Maybe that's why it's coming down a bit. Because Munoz, man, I've been wrong on him before. I'm like, man, the damage is gonna, uh, the damage he takes in fights is gonna accumulate. It's gotta accumulate. He keeps taking damages. These strikers who can defend a takedown are gonna get him. But <laughs> nope, nope, it doesn't happen. Um, he keeps proving me wrong. But this is this is a weird, different kind of matchup, you know. Munoz. Um, Obviously, this bias, you know, uh, you know, uh, no Brian Caraway personally trained with him. Uh, you know, he gets, he gets a lot of hate. He's, he's a really good dude behind the scenes, man. A uh, real good dude. And I uh, can't help but feel for the guy, especially, you know, he's, he's he, again, you know, coming back from adversity. Who were we talking about earlier in the card? You know, guys coming back from uh, adversity. But, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, losing a coach and, 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 Fucking dude, losing your long time, you know, gir girlfriend like that, and then she, you know, goes, you know, gets with some other dude. We've all been there. That fucking hurts, but especially on that level, when your life's that public, and then she goes and starts a family with some other dude, and you know the stuff he was dealing with his dad. His dad was just going senile and having breakdowns, and having to like uh, live in home with his dad and take care of him and nurse him and have a fight camp and coming back from uh, in multiple injuries, like it just. Fuck, man. Like, insane that he even made it and made that account for himself. And it was a close fight. You could score it either way for the Stamen fight. But, yeah, I, I scored it for for him live. Obviously, bias. And bias is all shit. But then even going back and doing the rewatch, like, yeah, I, I scored that last uh, minute and 15 seconds over than Stamen slightly outpointing him in exchanges for the previous four minutes of that third round. Um you know, uh, cutting him open, flurry, not just holding his cage, breaking off for flurries multiple times, jumping for a guillotine, sweeping him over to top position, dropping back to sink it in. Um, yeah, uh, we're, Munoz, again, uh, super respectable, though, should be the favorite. Awesome fight with Brett Johns. Uh, got hit there, but showed a, showed a great chin. Uh, I bet against him at Donson, and that guy was right there, I guess, on that one. But, again, close fight. Um the, the thing is, you look at it like, okay, he beat Stasiak uh, and then Font and Scoggins, who both jumped into guillotines. Doan, who that was an impressive guillotine. I don't want to take away anything from that. That was one of my favorite submissions ever that he hit on Doan. But again, Doan, so many losses. Uh, not a great win that aged well. Um, lost to Rivera in a close fight. Fun fight. Uh, although I was on Rivera there. Uh, and then you got to go back to Jared Sanders, you know, Matt Hobar. Of course, the Sun Sal is a Sun Sal, and that was short notice debut fight. The point is, I think veteran guys like a Sun Sal, Dotson, veteran guys who are good on the ground, hard to take down, 
Asuncao, Dotson. You can also say those things about Caraway. Um, and I think that could be a problem if Caraway is dictating the wrestling. And Caraway also, I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to be afraid to shoot on Munoz. Uh, the way he shoots and the side he shoots on, Caraway always shoots with his head to the right. And Munoz, you'll see, DC called him out in his last fight with Brett Johns. He, he is, uh, is the most dangerous guillotine in the game, but he has to get it to his right side. And Caraway has weird shots, man. He has different shots that he chains, but he's always really good about watching guillotines on that side. Again, when you're a good choke artist, you're probably good at defending chokes. So, uh, and Caraway is a really good choke artist. Unfortunately, Caraway, as a proverbial, has choked. And he's admitted that himself. He's dealt with anxiety issues in the past, and and you could see that in a lot of his losses and why he's so frustrated. Um, but uh, but but the guy goes out, you know, on his shield. I mean, if the, that that Diego Brandao fight is proof, I mean, he'll fight till he's burger. This guy, and he's durable as shit. Aside from that, he's only been stopped by a cut, you know. Uh, so uh, I actually see him uh, out, you know, t- taking it and outpointing Pedro down the stretch. Um, it's going to be real dangerous though. Pedro Munoz has really gotten accustomed to those low calf kicks, and Brian Caraway fights from a boxing stance. So if Pedro Munoz is able to get those calf kicks and hurt him in the first round, not only is that going to be bad for Brian for obvious reasons and make it an uphill battle for obvious reasons, but that may make him force the shots. And now if you force the shots, then Pedro Munoz can catch you. So that's going to what you're going to have to watch out for from Pedro Munoz. But I pick and play Brian Caraway there. Obvious bias. All right, time's against me. I'm going to try to speed uh, through this as best I can. All right, next fight. Um... Macy, Penny Kinsard, I don't, I don't fucking know. I didn't watch, but I took Kianzad on the picks. So, yeah. Uh, Espinino, Frazier, I don't know, but I took Espinino on the picks. So, yeah. Kamaru uh, Usman, Dos Anjos. I did a more in-depth breakdown on this uh, junkie that's posted now. So, go read that. Uh, Kamaru Usman, minus 265. Rafael Dos Anjos, plus 225 is the comeback. Um, yeah, I, I picked Usman here. Just... Tough matchups again, like they're giving Dos Anjos the Maya treatment. Like, let's just give you fucking terrible stylistic matchups that do nothing for you. But we need a name to platform a guy off of and a spot to fill. So this is the matchup you're gonna get. It's matchmaking for a lot of a lot of people in this day and age, folks. So that's what Dos Anjos is getting. That said, Dos Anjos is is live, man. Uh, I think in particular he could be live in the later rounds here. Uh, he was dealing with some injuries coming into the fight, cut, sustained injuries to his ear early in the fight, and again, it was a decidedly tough fight for him. I had Covington there. People weren't giving him the respect because Covington's shtick, but as a fighter, it was a tough stylistic matchup, and it proved to be so. Um, I see it more so here. Uh, you know, I, Usman, he's the more powerful striker. Um, he's got more things going for him in the fact that he switched stance, so it's going to give a hard target for Dos Anjos to hit those leg kicks. But um, pace, he doesn't have the pace Covington does. So it'll be interesting if Dos Anjos can defend some takedowns and start setting a pace, especially later in the fight. The, the problem is uh, Usman doesn't seem to ever take a backward step. So I see him getting going early often and putting Dos Anjos in too much of a deficit to do that. But I'm not leaving that possibility out of the equation. Um, I may play Usman. It depends. Um but but yeah, um, I, I'm confident on him. Uh, but I'm not like to the point where it's like no way. Like I'm not I'm debating whether I want to put him in a parlay. He may be in a parlay, but it's not like a sure shot if that makes any sense. But yeah, the pick is 
Pick is Usman. Okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna do a quick pause. I don't know. I'm gonna do a break. It's just gonna be a pause to save myself. Edit. Use the little boys' room. Come back. Knock out UFC Adelaide. All right, back for UFC Adelaide, UFC Fight Night 142. I'm going to go from bottom to top and speed through because uh, probably only got like 20, 25 minutes before I got to stop here. Uh, good news is, again, with all the fights, I did do my research, but you know I couldn't go through and watch every fight for every fighter like I normally try to do uh, for a card or two when you have four, roughly. So, yeah, uh, this one I didn't do too much. Elias, kicking off the fight, uh, fight pass. Kai Kata France, minus 380. Uh, that came up, I believe, from the opener. Elias Garcia, comeback plus 315. Elias Garcia, we last saw him getting choked out by Mark De La Rosa. Um, wow. Yeah, bantamweight. Yeah, these guys are bumping both up. Again, we had two flyweights fighting at bantamweight here, so I'm not going to be a size edge or deficiency either way. Um, didn't watch too much Kai Kata France. Not, not too much footage on him. But... Uh, does train not at City Kickboxing, though training with guys from there who are he's back like Shane Young. Um, and I have heard of this guy before. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not surprised he's going to be favorite. I was not impressed with Elias Garcia. But again, uh, maybe I got I to I get around to watching like a full fight of Kaikata France uh, to get, get, get a feel. But that line. Eh, that's a lot of confidence for for for, for uh, debutant. Good luck if you played it. Uh, I stayed away, but but yeah, the guy should be the favorite. All right, next fight: uh, Demir Ismagulov uh, minus five twenty-five. Uh, Alex Gorgis plus four fifteen. I actually get this one. Speaking of uh, speaking of uh, debutants, uh, I mean not a lot. Not, well, Demir's got a decent amount of footage, but not a lot of footage on Alex. Low-level guy that's trying to get him an Australian guy a fight, but uh, nah, not good. Looks like uh, uh looks like just uh, uh, a lanky uh, um, Muay Thai guy that'll blow over with a gust of wind, and I think Demir's is going to take him down and pound, and that's what the odds reflect. So we'll just leave it at that, shall we? Keita Nakamura minus one seventy-five favorite over Salim Tulhari plus one fifty-five. You know me, I love me some uh, Keita. But, uh, man, uh, as a favorite, I, I, I get scared. And I was even more scared because uh, even though I was familiar with Tohari uh, and I knew that I didn't condemn him from his last performance because I knew he took it on short notice against Vorley Alves. But um, Vorley, is he German now? Shit. Because they fought in Germany, Dan. Uh, but uh, Tohari, you know, trains a lot of Polish guys. But trained uh, his camp, this camp at American Top Team looking jacked as all hell. Um so definitely getting good training partners there. That's like Kato Nakamura is ultimately, even though he's in the winter of his career, he's still a hard guy to, to imitate, man. The South boss dance, the tricky counters. And he still has really tricky tri uh, trips, which, you know, uh, Tohari, it looked like he had good takedown defense for, like, uh, wrestling shots against uh, Warley Alves. But if you notice, Alves, when he was able to take him down, it was through, like, crafty trips from the body lock. And he was able to even scoot around to his back. And, like, that is Nakamura's game. So ultimately, I see. I don't. I don't know if Nakamura's gonna get a finish. Uh, Tohari is a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu himself. Uh, grappling, you know, he's a heavy-handed grappler uh, on paper, at least. So I, I, I don't imagine it's gonna be a pushover. I don't imagine Keita Nakamura is gonna get a submission. But I am picking him to out-veteran Salim. But but Salim could be on that uptrend, man. We didn't see the best of him, so watch out. He's a live dog. Um, 
Yeah, probably a dog or pass in my situation. A lot of these over and unders aren't out, so I'm, it's hard to even really dive into the props with you, but I'll, I'll call them out if I see something I like, folks. All right, next fight, Christos Yagos, minus 370. Comeback, Mizuto Hirota, plus 310. A little surprised to see it that high, but again, a lot of fades going on on this card. A lot of fades in general over the weekend. This is another one. Uh, Hirota, whether it's his durability, which was once you know pretty vaunted as the you know, Japanese wrestle boxer, or just, you know, having a harder time with the scale, uh, which is why he's moving up. Um, but he'll be outsized and on the downtrend. Versus Christos Yagos, who underrated regional guy on uh, California, slash North Calcine, I believe. But, yeah, training at Black House looks to be in shape, training with all the right people. I think we're going to see a better version of him. It was a tough matchup, Du Bronx, short notice. Uh, you know, and it made a good account for himself, I feel, to be fair, with all those things given in that fight. But I think this is a better matchup for him here. Um, I don't know if he stops Sorota, but uh, I see him just uh, convincing the judges with, with with a more convincible pace and, and shots landed on the feet. Uh, Yagos. All right, this one's interesting. Ben Wynn, minus 155. Wilson Hayes, plus 135. Uh, ben Wynn should be the favorite here. Heavy hands. Again, I think it's more of a fade on Hayes. He's... Not just older, trending with lo more losses than wins of late, obviously. But the chin, you know, especially when you're, you're at flyweight and uh, and taking these shots and not taking these shots well. And, uh, yeah, is this the last scheduled flyweight fight? I'm not sure. But, yeah, you know, it, it's worrisome. I'm a big, big fan of Wilson Hayes, real nice guy, of course. Big fan of Ben Wynn um, as well. Uh who I'm picking in this fight, but I will say this though. I'm staying away, and I will say Wilson Hayes. I th I think is lively. I don't want to say livelier than some will say because he's getting respect here on the line plus one thirty five. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean if he can gauge south, you know, southpaw body kick, he's got his check hook, but he really can't be playing that game with Ben Wynn. Um, but if he can force his wrestling on him, that's a different story. I mean, you know, Juicy A Formiga showed that you know he's not immune to uh, you know. Granted, Juicy Formiga is the best back taker in the division, one of the best back takers in the UFC. But Wilson Hayes isn't too far from him as far as uh, best grapplers in this division. You know, Wilson Hayes is top five for sure. Um, boy, at a point you could really argue top three, especially when he's on that title run. But uh, but yeah, he's he's you know on on paper, of course, you know jujitsu jiu accolades and. Uh, and yeah, man, I could totally see him getting the upset, but I'm going with uh, Ben 10 win. All right, uh, next fight. Alexei Kuchenko, minus 335. Yushin Okami, plus 275. Yeah, again, another another fade on the vet. But a tough stylistic matchup, nonetheless. You, Okami, not a, like a double-leg guy, right? Like, he's not going to catch you off off guard. And Alves had underrated takedowns, so he didn't really go for him. But Kuchenko shows he can defend those. Uh, sorry. Oh, second. Oh, sorry. Speaking of health. Where was I? Uh, one of my acid reflux on steroids attacks, which I'll bring up later. Um, yeah, Kachenko uh, is probably going to uh, knock him out here. Uh, Sadiq Youssef, minus 560. Suman Mokhtarian, plus 430. Kind of a crazy line, kind of not. I, I don't know the full story, but Mokhtarian, undefeated, but it looks to be the better of the Mokhtarian brothers, but uh, retired after his last win. Got some crazy choke, like baseball chokes, triangle choke, not even just triangle choke, like TP style, and uh, Twister, which I saw the setup for that, and it was, it was legit. I don't know about the guy you fought, but 
But yeah, man, he's got some skills. Muay Thai on the feet, runs an academy. And apparently, I guess, wanted to focus more on that. Um, but obviously, UFC uh, opportunity comes uh, knocking. Why not jump on it? Uh, I don't know if it's anything more than that. Even if it is, and he's making a comeback, and this was planned, uh, I still see why Sadiq Youssef is favored. But again, it just, you know, super Sadiq, man. It just, uh, he's, he's, he's a beast. Uh, it, it, it's, it's hard to go against him, you know, here. Um, if, if Mokhtarian can get him down, get some crafty stuff going, that's probably his, his best shot. But, uh, yeah, I got Sadiq here. All right, Jim Crute, minus 260, Paul Craig, plus 220. Um yeah, man, I love Paul Craig. Real friendly guy. Interviewed him. Always, always, always appreciate him. Um, but uh, but yeah, picking picking against him here. I got Jim Crute. Not, not a lot of experience, you know. Paul Craig's more again more experienced guy. We were, we're but uh, the, the the trend and, and stylistically, you know, I think you know, Jim Crute's training with Jake Matthews. I think they're going to be good training partners for each other for their perspective matchups. Who they're facing. Uh, the reason why Matthews is a good training partner for him is because Paul Craig, despite being bigger, is not going to offer nowhere near the same wrestling, much less grappling, uh, that Jake Matthews is offering him in the room. And so I see Jim Crute using his uh, stick and move style to just pick his pick his shots, either uh, decision or 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 knockout. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, not gonna play too crazy. I'll look at what props and overs and unders are for that, maybe. But yeah, I'm not gonna nothing too crazy there. Uh, Jake Matthews, speaking of which, and speaking of my st stomach stuff, he's facing Anthony Rocco Martin. Uh, Tony Martin was a dog. A lot of respect coming in on Tony Martin as it should, because he's a live dog. This is all a void for me. Um, I did take Jake Matthews. No, nothing against Tony Martin. Uh, uh, for him, him, him calling me out on a, on on picking against him. Uh, that that happens. Uh, that happens uh, from time to time. Uh, more than more than you know. More than y'all y'all think, or more than I probably know. Uh, but to be honest, man, I like Tony Martin as a fighter, and uh, he's just getting better and better, man. I, he came, uh, you know, Johnny Case is no pushover, and that was that really opened my eyes, and he surprised me ever since, you know. Um, and to find out that he was uh, dealing with not just the cuts, but like acid reflux he was developing problems because of the cuts and it would just kind of flare up when he was making the cut and uh with the diet and whatnot and uh as someone who suffers clearly as i just did like i could totally sympathize with that so it's kind of ironic uh the, the fighters that i like and sympathize with tend to tend to tend to come at me like tony ferguson <laughs> in that one interview where he didn't come at me but you know he mis definitely misunderstood my question there and got a uh, indicative about it and uh, it's just funny, like, there's no one in the media that goes about harder for fucking Tony Ferguson than I do, which is hilarious. But that, that's just how, that's, that's how it works in Dan Tom's world and, and the world of the media, folks. So, so it is what it is. But uh, at risk of pissing Tony Martin off again, or Anthony Rocco Martin, uh, picking against him again here, just because for all the improvements that he's made, uh, Jake Matthews, again, similar build, you know, some losses that... Didn't look great wins that did, but maybe against not the best competition. Or, uh, but they both, you know, submitted Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts. A lot of similarities, you know, but they're maturing now, the point is. And their skills are doing the same. They're making both making kind of unpredictable skills jumps, you know, to be honest here. Uh, so it's really hard to be confident on either side you're on in this fight if, if you're being critical about it. But Jake Matthews showing the ability to counter, showing power in both hands, right and left. You know, he is rocking uh, Lee with... Um, 
Or as Martin seems to get a little headhunt happy and right hand happy. So as far as the levels of where he attacks, I don't know about that. You know, and uh, Jake Matthews also has a really mean body kick, as we saw in the Johnny Case fight. And uh, for all the improvements in boxing and Muay Thai uh, that Tony Martin has made, um, guys, you know, that's the one shot that I was seeing land. And I think that's just because you know, in in, to- in Tony's defense, in Rocco, in Rocco's defense, I think it's. Um, you know, a lot of taller frame guys, you're just kind of naturally open more to the body, right? I mean, more landscape to cover. Your stature is going to be more susceptible or available, at least to your opponent, whether you like it or not, whether you're a good defender or not. It's just there. It's up to you to defend it a lot more now. Um, but the point is, it, it may be there for him. And mainly, it, it, it's forward wrestling pressure. You know, that's why I think many picked him against LaFlair, why he was so heavily favored. It was his first re- real welterweight, sure. But, uh,. But yeah, uh, LaFleur really only went for one takedown, which was at the end of round one, and he already kind of got hurt uh, before that. Got really hurt in the beginning of this, or got hurt in the second round, and then got uh, hurt uh, and knocked. He got knocked out in the second round, <laughs> and then brought back to life with some ground and pound, uh, or knocked down and then knocked out <laughs> in the second round, then brought back to life with some ground and pound. So by the time he landed that head kick, it was. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, Keita Nakamura, that right hand was there, too. He he just, you know, he, he hit him early, got him out of the early. But we haven't seen that rest, you know, not got him out of the early, but got him out of the fight early in the sense that Nakamura couldn't get back in the fight after that. And Martin was just a clearly better fighter at that point, for sure. Um, so we still, but, you know, point is, not taking anything away from, uh, you know, uh, Rocco, but he, he, we still haven't seen that forward pressure, and uh, Jake Matthews does tend to bring that. Uh, he has tended to strike with certain guys, but I got to imagine he's seen the common thread of, of top control, uh, you know, of top control grapplers uh, beating uh, beating Rocco, and uh, Jake Jake Matthews no slouch there. Real forceful kid, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, so I'll take him there. Uh, Tyson Pedro minus four forty. Mauricio Hua plus three fifty. Man, this was uh, this fight was freaking inflated. This is a, a void just for the line. I mean, again, I get it. I'm picking Tyson Pedro here. Spoiler alert. But I mean, he, you know, he just got submitted and, and took an attack. And I, I know his P there, so I wasn't, wasn't surprised. But it's just like you, you look at who he beat, like Sakharov, Saparov, and guys like that. And now he's minus four forty against Hua. Granted, it's the skeleton of Mauricio Hua, but. Ultimately, you know, Pedro, um, despite the hype, it's not his fault. He can't control that. He seems like a really awesome, nice guy. I'm a fan of him, uh, his personality, and his fight style. It's developing, sure, but uh, he's a, he's a good fighter. He's a fun fighter to watch. I'm not hating on him by any means, but uh, it was just it was just a bit surprising. And I'm picking him here because, again, Hua, does, seems like he's just cashing checks at this point. He never comes in, in shape. Uh, not that he was always like the most felt guy, even in the even in the steroid era. Um, even then, he was just like you know was still probably just doing bare minimum, and it's caught up with him. And you look at his Instagram, and he just doesn't give his a vacation with his family. He's fucking dad bod everywhere. Like, are you even training, bro? All right, Tyson Pedro. All right, Mark Hunt plus one hundred. Uh, Justin Willis minus one twenty. Uh, I'm a big fan of Big Pretty. Uh, I'm not surprised that he's the favorite, but yeah, this fight definitely should be a close fight, uh, as it is lined. Uh, Justin Willis, you know, again, as jokes like a Southpaw, like Daniel Cormier meets Conor McGregor. You know, he can wrestle, 
uh, and go for takedowns against the fence, knows what to do when he's on top, can play pretty positionally well, will do wrist traps. He's getting getting his ground game there. It's coming along. It's in the right steps. I like the direction it's heading. But he's also got that left-handed counters, quick hand speed. Uh, he will be faster than Hunt, but not by a lot. Again, Hunt, deceptively fast, but even though he's old, he's going to be one of the few that contend with Willis in that uh, department. Again, Willis, you know, you know, closest guy he fought to, to Mark Hunt was Moharan. Uh, you know, it's a far cry. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, we, 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 you know, I, I like Willis, but you know, we, we don't know how consistent he is. He's had some inconsistent performances. Granted, they're young when you're supposed to have him, but even on the big stages of late, what they're basing this line off of, we've seen him tire. Uh, you know, uh, late, we've seen him tire in fights. Granted, he tried to get Chase Sherman out of there in that fight, but we've seen him tire in fights before that too. Um, and and they both like the counter, which is my thing. So I think we might. Man, I'm at the podcast. Drink your water. You're fine. You're fine. Drink your water. And uh, and uh, you know, they both like the counter, so this could be like a not as bad, hopefully, but like a similar, you know, Derek Lewis Ningano sense where they're dangerous heavyweights, but they both like the counter. So we could see something where they. Uh, sorry, I'm speeding this up because I'm almost out of time here, folks. So we could see something where it's a staring contest. Um, I would look at the over for this. I played Mark Hunt straight up at plus one hundred. Uh, I, I, I just threw a half a unit on there just for the shits. I'm not saying you can jump off that cliff with me. It's a dangerous fight to bet. But, uh, yeah, I see Mark Hunt winning it in a long, uh, a gritty affair. I see I see him getting it by a decision, um, to be honest. I see this one going to decision. So I would lo- I, I'd look at the over no matter what side you're on. Uh, I think that's, that's going to be interesting to see where that over is set as well. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. All right, main event, last fight. Junior Dos Santos minus 150. Tied to Vasa plus 130. My breakdown should be out now. Hopefully. Uh, t- well, today's not Friday, Thursday. Yeah, it should be out today. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're, we're on track. Uh, so for you want to get a, a deeper read on that fight, um, go there. So I'm just going to speed through it here. Essentially, yeah, I mean, uh, I took Andre Orlovsky over. I'm a big fan of Tai Tuivasa's personality as a fighter, everything. This isn't any hate toward Tai at all. Uh, big fan, and he's going to be here for a minute, so get used to him, folks. That said, uh, I don't think we should be... Uh, Barry and Dos Santos just yet. I think we were just reminded heavyweights lifespan uh, this last weekend. And uh, I was a proponent of that in Ty's last fight when I took Andre Orlovsky uh, at those at those uh, odds. Not just playing. I mean, officially it was my breakdown and everything. You know, just we you know we didn't know a lot about Ty uh, aside from that f- fight off the record, which was like a weird event where he got uh, knocked out from gassing out in the third round against what's his name, the Australian dude. Um, which was a bad look on him. Hey, he was a young kid. Uh, he hit man out of the first round officially. And uh, he showed that he could go out of the first round and come through a gritty war and adversity. And, and hats off to him. Uh, it was a close fight. You can make an argument for Orlovsky. Though Orlovsky didn't help himself with premature celebrations. But didn't make me look crazy either for picking Orlovsky. And showed that you know straight punches down the center line, especially jabs, could really, uh, could really trouble Ty. And uh, he... You know, Orlovsky, good striking, but uh, a far cry from uh, a Dos Santos's jab, in my opinion, for all Dos Santos's problems is jab, especially his body jab, which he uses as a check, real underrated. I see both those having a lot of play here, especially the body jab, putting in dividend ends for, for a five-round fight. I think this one's going to go over. Uh, I could see Dos Santos getting maybe an attritive stoppage toward the end, but I just see him using footwork and jab. Now, I know his footwork's a bit controversial. As much as it gets him out of the way, he also puts himself in harm's way by putting himself to the fence 
And more importantly, he leads with his head when he uh, evades space, slips, or exits, flanks, uh, whatever definition, whatever variation. He's going fucking head first, and it's a problem in victory and defeat. His head looks like a blown-up Marlon Wayans doll in all the wrong ways uh, by the end of fights in victory or defeat. So that's a problem. But he did did pretty good against Bogoy Ivanov. Granted, southpaw, slower guy, different style than Ty. But it was a good pick-me-up fight. Now he's actually got consistency. Because remember, it's only like his third or fourth camp under American top team. Only like third or fourth fight in like three years or something like that. Like He hasn't had any because this is the most consistent we're going to get from him for a minute. And he's not like super old. Mileage and damage-wise, he's up. He's getting up there for sure. There's not a, a lo- the longest leash left on Dos Santos. But by any means, no way is he even toward a... Orlovsky level by by any stretch. Of course not on toward Orlovsky level, but not even like halfway toward Orlovsky level. Maybe halfway toward Orlovsky level. But you know what I'm saying? It's not that bad. Uh, does that mean he can't get knocked out here? Shit. Tied to Vasa can certainly knock him out here. Oh, that means I got to get out of here. Uh, especially against the fence. Um, that's going to be the danger is the fence line. Uh, thing to look out though for Drew DeSantis' takedowns. He hasn't dusted him off for, for a minute. Uh, but I don't think it's like my canary and coal mine theory where it's because of guys' backs, whether they're wrestlers or not. Guys tend to shoot shoot lesser as they get older. Um, I think it's more just he fell in love with his hands because I'm a boxer, yay! Uh, and I love Dos Santos, but let's be honest. Um, but uh, but yeah, and I know you know definitely the USADA rumors or you know. Uh, can't deny those for sure, man. I like GDS, but I'm definitely not denying those. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, but he's 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 come through that era. He definitely had his rough spots in that era. You know, look at the C C Overeem fight. Um, but uh, but yeah, usually it's, it's guys who who pressure him and have to put a pace. Uh, he's hard to take down. and He's how to out, out, outpace. I mean, we we have those losses to Cain Velasquez stuck in here, but that was Cain Velasquez. I don't, I, I don't think Ty Tuvas can do that. Ty Tuvas will be dangerous as shit. Uh, in the clinch, so it'll be smart for him to go to the clinch. Uh, but I actually wouldn't be surprised to see Desanyo, so like I said, was previously alluding to, go for takedowns. You know, He used to do it against pressure punchers before, against Roy Nelson, Shane Carwin. He'd mix them in. Don't be surprised to see that here. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. So going with Dos Santos, um, I'm not confident to play anything in that fight, to be honest. Um, I, I, I'm going to look at the over, because I think it's going to go over. Maybe I'll look at the over there. Over for these top two heavyweight fights. All right, going to recap... Uh, Picks uh, right quick. Uh, Bellator, 210. I got Salter over Ninja Kawani. I got Bombo Velasconos over Rickles. I got Archuleta over Spoon. And I got Bruna Ellen over Christina Williams. Bellator, 211. I got Alessio Sakara over Kent Kniff. Kent Kniffin. Uh, I got Henry Gagas, 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 over Domingo Barros. I got Kiefer Crosby over Orlando D'Ambrosio. I got Alan Amadovsky over Ibrahim. And I got uh, Luca Vitali over Pedro Calvillo. Um, all right, Tough 28 finale. I have Hayoni Barcelos over Chris Gutierrez. Tim Means over Ricky Rainey. Roosevelt Roberts over Daryl Horcher. No pick for Leah Leston. Start of the Elenco. No kick pick for Green Batista. Uh, hearts with Benavidez, but I got Perez over Benavidez. Rick Glenn over Kevin Aguilar. Anthony Shevchenko over Kim. I got Shabazian over Stuvert. I got 
Brian Caraway is a dog over Pedro Munoz. Um, I got uh, Penny Kianzada. I uh, got Espinizo. No, I didn't do study in those fights. Warning. I got Usman over Dos Anjos. And lastly, UFC Adelaide. I have Kai Kai France over Elias Garcia. Uh, I got Ismagulov over Gurgiz. I've got Nakamura over Tulhari. I got Yagos over Hirota. I got Nguyen over Reyes. Hayes. I have Kuchenko over Okami. I have Yusuf over Mkhitaryan. I have Krut over Craig. I have Matthews over Rako. I have Pedro over Hua. I have Hunt as a dog uh, over Willis. Uh, and uh, Dos Santos over Tuivasa. Playing Hunt straight up for sure. Uh, guys like uh, Kuchenko and Means will be in a, a parlay, a chalky parlay, obviously, by those notes. Um, and, uh, and yeah, hopefully the analysis was good and helps you put together your picks and plays. Thank you again for using the click-throughs on MixedMartialAnalyst.com. I will read those next time for Onnit and Amazon, as well as iTunes reviews. Uh, positive, uh, please re- uh, feel free to give five stars there uh, right into the show whether it be DM, email, or otherwise. Thank you, guys. Uh, enjoy this crazy weekend. Thanks for uh, coming aboard once again, the Protect Your Neck podcast. And always, yes, of course, as the name would allude to, protect your neck.